This is going to be interesting to edit because this is a much nicer microphone than the one I'm used to playing with, so there's probably going to be a Oh, hey, how much swearing are we going to do on this? A lot. Okay, okay, cool. Okay. I don't know. When I get mad about video games, I swear a lot. <laughs> I don't think I can control that. Okay, that's fair. I just wanted to know whether I should tag it explicit when we start. Like, yeah, probably. Really? Monster. Really? Oh my goodness. Okay. Hello and welcome to the introductory episode of Grumble Pack. Grumble Pack. Grumble Pack. Um, I am Eli. And I am Jasmine. Would we like to introduce ourselves a little bit to get things rolling? Yes. Uh, so I am Jasmine Gower. I am a fantasy author and freelance editor. Um, and I play lots of too many video games. Too many video games. <laughs> um, I am Elijah. I am an illustrator primarily. And I like to think of myself as a game dev. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, we make games. We, we also we are technically making make games. a game. Okay. <laughs> shit, I forgot that I also do that. <laughs> um, what is your, uh, what are you, this was your idea for this podcast. Yeah. So what, what are you feeling that you want to kind of? Well, I thought of the pun Grumble Pack. <laughs> and I like to base my life choices off of puns. It's it's pretty good. Like, what are you? What are you? What is? What are we going to do for the podcast? Well, I love, what are we planning? I love complaining about video games. And Me I love too. Talking about video games. And, yeah, I don't know. Just kind of like freeform some millennials talking about video games. Oh hell yes! Let's throw another one of these in Let's there. <laughs> Let's continue to poison the well. All right, uh, we can talk about stuff we like too. <laughs> I, oh yeah. We can we can start with, by stuff that we hate and then go, by the way, that's why this thing is so good. I, well, see, my thing is I do love to hate things, so <laughs> it's it's a two-way street. I, I love loving things, so we... I, I also like loving things, it's, we'll, we'll, but I love hating things. It'll be, it'll be a give and take. It'll be a give and take. Yeah. Um, so I see on your handy-dandy little outline here... Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so I'm professional. So good at, so good at outlining. Uh, that we want us to start talking about maybe our first game, our favorite game, yeah. and the sort of games that we play and what we've been doing recently. Yes. So would you like to start us off on that? Uh, sure. Let's go back and forth between each other on each Sounds bullet good. point. Um, so my first game, my first game was, I don't know the specific game, but we had an Intellivision in my house before we had any like real consoles. <laughs> um, and I'm not going to go too much into it because I don't remember any of those games. And also the Intellivision <laughs> is on my outline elsewhere. Ah, I so see. I'm going to say more about that weird thing later. Alright. Um, but the first game I remember playing was Heroes of Mind Magic, which was like a turn-based strategy game, kind of for XE, but mm -hmm. more dialed back, like 2X, I guess. <laughs> um, I was very bad at it because I was five. <laughs> and uh, I got it on Good Old Games again a couple of years ago and have played it since then. And I'm still very bad at it. Old games are hard. It's, yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's difficult. Um, the, both, the first game I ever played and the first game I officially owned were a, uh, was Pokemon Blue. I had... I <laughs> I had a cool uh, friend who was like two years older than me because our parents were friends, which means that we were friends. Right. And they always had the the newest video games and consoles and whatnot. Right. Right. So the uh, the first video game I ever played was he wanted me to stop talking, so he handed me his Game Boy Color <laughs> and let me grab and let me catch a couple of Pokemon. And since I didn't know how to play it, 
Um, I caught six Pokemon and I named them all Ah because I didn't know how to get through the screen without just naming the Pokemon. Okay. <laughs> um, but then a couple of weeks later, I, I gave a speech to my mother, who was very hesitant about video games. Right. And she said, yes, I could purchase it, but I had to buy it with my own money. So I saved up for six weeks and bought a Game Boy Color and a copy of Pokemon Blue for $30 from our used game shop. Nice. <laughs> That's a good first game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a one. terrible first game. Pokemon has aged horribly. Yeah, it's, um, I played it again recently because it came out on the Nintendo store and right, I had right. a 2DS. Um, speaking of games that are hard as hell, yeah. <laughs> because they're oh old, my God. <laughs> like, it's, there, there's nothing more jarring than trying to play Pokemon Blue and then switching back over to one of the newer Pokemon games and just yeah. like, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. These are for kids. <laughs> Kids, kids need to enjoy these. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so favorite game. My favorite game is Final Fantasy IX because it is a flawless ten out of ten game. All right. <laughs> also, like some some existential stuff from the place I was in mentally when I first played it. So it uh, maybe is better in my head than I think it is, but it is objectively a flawless game. My favorite game is Night in the Woods. I will never shut the hell up about Night in the Woods. I, I know this. <laughs> I apologize because you know it's with good. Me. Um, I enjoy it a lot, but I also think I have a, a sort of the same thing that you do with Final Fantasy in that I played it while I was in a really vulnerable place to the point where there's like specific lines that will just make me burst out sobbing, and mm-hmm. they don't particularly seem that sad. Mm-hmm. It's it's a who, it's a whole lot. But it's an enjoyable game, and it's got a cute style, and it's one of those angry, pondering games that I enjoy so much because I'm a hipster piece of shit. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. (laughs) What are your go-to games to play? My go-to... Final Fantasy IX. Um, (laughs) Skyrim was for a long time. I think I finally found all of the content in Skyrim, (laughs) except for the main storyline. I still have not beat that, uh, because it's boring as hell. Hmm. Guild Wars 2, for a while, was a go-to game, um, and then the company was terrible, so I fair. uninstalled it from my computer. This is fair. And I have not gone back, which makes me a little sad, but mm. I really enjoyed that game, so I wanted to get away from it while my memories were still good, fair. once the developers were like, Gamergators, please, come, <laughs> come join our community. We will fire any female employee that you want us to. Oof. So... Uh, that was disappointing. Yeah. Um, I play The Sims a lot still. <laughs> I don't like that Origin keeps track of how many hours I've put into The Sims 4. <laughs> I'd rather did not do that. Uh, EA, if you're listening, get Jasmine's free me content. Free, give me free stuff packs. I've put 430 hours on that game. We will review it's them. It's not on, that good. We will review them on this podcast. EA, give me the knitting pack. I know it's not out yet. They're making a a knitting pack. Really? Yes. Oh my god. I'm dying. (laughs) I know you and I have both been playing hundreds of hours of Stardew Valley recently. Oh, yes. Because we are trapped indoors and deeply depressed. Yes. I love love living on a farm in a video game. I have lived Mm -hmm. on farms in real life. Doesn't... Oh, it sucks. It's bad times. It's awful. I once got headbutted by a ram. Into oh, the, me too. Into the wall of a chicken coop. Oh, it see, sucked. I, yeah, I I successfully blocked the ram from headbutting <laughs> me with a bucket. Ooh, 
Yeah. It still hurt. Yeah, no, my friend was on the side and she had this like shovel handle, but she wasn't paying attention. So he just, he backed up and beat me in the hip. See, yeah, I was by myself. So Ooh. that was traumatizing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I play whatever, whatever games are I'm in the mood to play. Mm-hmm. This is fair. I know I lean more towards uh, simulation games. Yeah. Because I've been playing a lot of The Long Dark recently, mm. and um, it's not a simulation game, but Crypt of the Necrodancer. Yeah. <laughs> games that don't necessarily have a set end, and specifically the survival games, because something, something having to keep a virtual version of me alive, something, something, depression. Sure. So, you know, <laughs> I could do a whole thing about that, but I won't do it right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm also big into sim games. Um, I like strategy games, too, for that same reason, because mm. you just play, like, scenarios, and yeah. then when you're done, you just play a different scenario. Yeah, and if I didn't have to pay for them, because they're so often really shitty, I would play more horror games. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not I'm not about to spend 60 to $80 to be deeply disappointed, so... No, yeah. <laughs> I could do a whole episode on that, too. Yeah, I... I like horror games conceptually, but jump scares, it's not a fun gaming experience for me, so I need... Yeah. I need the horror to be not jump scare based. This is fair. I can handle a jump scare or two. It's always just that the, the story is bad. Yeah. The story is bad. If I have to play or watch someone else play another woman getting pregnant and giving some sort of no. horrific birth scene, I'm just gonna I'm gonna put all horror in the trash can. Yeah. And shake it up. I'm sick of it. It's not good. Anyway. I do love Bloodborne though. <laughs> Bloodborne is very fun. It has both of that and jump scares, but I love it. Yes, listen, it's 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 forgivable if you do it correctly. Yeah. It is forgivable if you do it correctly. Nine times out of ten, they don't. Yeah. They don't. They're just like, hey, dude gamers, you know what's horrific? Pregnancy. You know who knows? Me, the game dev, who definitely has never been pregnant. Anyway, we started anyway. bitching a little early. No, it's great. We're on brand. <laughs> this is what y'all are getting into. We're on brand. Uh, so what have you been playing Lately, we mentioned Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley, so lots of Stardew Valley. I don't have to go um, too much into that. I did recently get a new Pokemon game, which I'm right. digging a whole lot. Shield. Shield, right. yes, because our friend got sword. Yeah. And I promised that I would exchange things with them. Right. Um, I'm enjoying that one a lot. I like that it's got like an open world situation, sort yes. of, and like a hub that you go back to. I don't like the, uh, I think it might be the crappiest evil team yet. Yeah, it's just, it's, that. it's some soccer hooligans, <laughs> and their name is Team Yell. And I also would appreciate if Nintendo never again tried to do, um, slang, because ah. my god, it does not translate. Ah. <laughs> but I love a bunch of the new Pokemon designs. And I love Wulu. <laughs> it's very cute. I didn't know it evolved, and I was <laughs> struck with fear when it started evolving. Oh god. <laughs> But the big version is cute, too, and I'm just gonna... I like to imagine that I live in the Pokemon world, and I just I just have a Wooloo Ranch. And one Yamper to get them all rounded up. Oh, no. <laughs> Yamper also The evolves. mere thought is so adorable. <laughs> That's my life, baby. And I have one Wingle, because Wingle holds a special place in my heart for some reason. I'm not super sure. I just okay. love them. I love them. They're cute. Is that the it's, seagull? It is. It's the cute little seagull with the like wings that always look like it's the... They're so okay. cute, and I love them. I love Zigzagoon, so they gave me a nice right. goth-ass punk Zigzagoon for right. this game, which was incredible. Thank you, Nintendo. So should we get on to what you specifically wanted to talk about for this episode? Uh, no, because I gotta talk about what I've been playing Oh, lately, shit, yeah, that's right, sorry. <laughs> I've also been playing Max Gentleman Sexy Business. Ah, uh, yes. 
which oh, is yes. a business tycoon slash dating sim. <laughs> it's very silly. You just play as a rich weirdo dating other rich weirdos mm-hmm. while also trying to take over other businesses, which you do via hostile hostile takeovers. <laughs> Which in this game, it means getting a bunch of your employees, taking them to town square and having them fight to the death with the other business employees. <laughs> is that not is that not how Wall Street works? It is. But then also at the end of it, you get pornography. So it's great. <laughs> it's very good. It has the best villain name I think I've ever encountered. There's a villain named Cassius Villionaire. Correct. <laughs> Very good. There is one correct answer for what is the best villain name, and it's that one. <laughs> it's very good. Um, but yeah, I, I recommend it. It's silly, and the sexy content is good. Good. That's good, because... Very often it's not. I do regret buying it on Steam, because now Steam is like... You, do you like sexy games? You like horny games, You right? want to play Honey Pop? You want to play some horny <laughs> Steam games? And it's like, not in general, if this is what you're giving me, no. Um, but Max Gentleman Sexy Business has good horny content. Nice. Okay. After talking about horny stuff, let's talk about video game peripheral. <laughs> yeah. I figured since we're going to call this this podcast Grumble Pack, <laughs> we should talk about the Rumble Pack. Because immediately after making that pun, I was like... Under the age of 23, aren't you going to have any fucking clue what I'm talking about? See, this is going to be an interesting back and forth because, you know how I said I had that one friend who got all the the new video games? Um, My family did not have a console. So you aren't familiar with, like, the weird console add-ons of the 90s. I, I know about, I know of and about them, but, like, my knowledge basically extends to the, um, to what they had for the Game Boy Color. Because right. I knew what they had, I just never had them. Because, one, my mother didn't want me to have a video game console at home because she was afraid I would only play video games. Psych! I only played uh, Pokemon Blue for hours on end. Um, <laughs> but then also, uh, she didn't want me to waste my money on what is essentially a lamp for a <laughs> Yeah, I get that. I didn't have the Game Boy Color lamp attachment. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, had a, I think one of my cousins had it. Yeah. And I was so jealous <laughs> of the fucking lamp. I the, wanted it so bad. The, Even when she was like, it makes the batteries drain, like, instantly. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't care. I want to be able to see Pokemon when I'm playing it. <laughs> the apparently universal experience of people roughly our age who owned a Game Boy was trying to play in the backseat of a car by the street lamps. <laughs> nightmarish. <sighs> and then they had the printers... And the link cables. Remember when you had to link consoles together physically? No, I don't, because I'm the only person I knew. Like, I was ahead of the Pokemon curve. Mm -hmm. So, like, by the time everyone else in my class was like, oh my god, Pokemon, I was already over it. See, I didn't have any, like, friends as a child. That was my other other problem. So, no, I didn't have anybody to trade with, so I never needed the link cable. But, god, I wanted one. I know. And, like, ugh. I just I wanted to grow this so bad. As, as a small child, like as an eight or nine year old, I was like trying to conceive of how I could get like a second Game Boy mm-hmm. and a link cable so and I just could swap them attach there. it because I did have po- I had all of the different colors mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. first generation Pokemon, so I wanted to switch 
the exclusives between my red and my blue, but I didn't, there was no way for me to do it. Should we talk about the Rumble Pack, though? That's the something Rumble, I've heard about. Yeah, so the Rumble Pack itself, it's in retrospect, not knowing what we know now about, like, what's considered standard game controller design. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so weird to think of Nintendo being like, we've made this chunk of plastic that you plug into the back of your Nintendo 64 controller that makes it shake sometimes. <laughs> and you have to pay 40 more dollars for this. Ugh. Like, the the idea that they... That, that was like a selling point was like it's a thing that makes your controller shake it's like mm-hmm. who would buy that but apparently it worked because people bought it because now like controller vibration is standard mm-hmm. in video game console controllers so it's the, it's the feeling of being in the game it is yeah it's more immersive and tactile and like i'm i'm glad that we have them now and it's yeah. not just like i just hold this rectangle of plastic <laughs> push my buttons and the video Make the game man go. and the jump man jumps <laughs> um the idea that like being in the nintendo boardroom and being the guy who had to posit this idea <laughs> i he must have been so nervous <laughs> what if i make him shake around a bunch yeah <laughs> what, what if it was just kind of like wibbly I see in your notes that this says it was available for DS. I do not recall no, this No, yeah, at all. I wrote that down because it's like, I just... Are you kidding? It baffles me. So the Rumble Pack was introduced with Nintendo 64. They packaged yeah. it with Star Fox 64. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple other games that were compatible with it. But apparently they also made DS and DS Lite Rumble Packs, which sounds... That seems bonkers to terrible. me. <laughs> the idea of, like, I don't think that kind of, like, vibration technology works great with handheld Mm-mm. games because if you drop the handheld oh yeah that's no, that's it's the gone. whole console it's gone i do remember that um the original ds's were actually pretty hardy as long as they weren't they open were. like i the one that i had up until like a couple of years ago because the clamshell just broke um and then i tried to fix it and doing so welded it shut nice <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> but yeah it was like i remember it very specifically because it was a limited edition color because i bought it with nintendogs Oh. And it was this cute little, like, teal color. Oh. And you could see exactly where I dropped it because all of the corners were just scratched the fuck up. <laughs> I miss being able to use that thing. It was so pretty. Well, like, I have a PSP, and the thing about the PSP, it doesn't have the vibration technology, yeah. but that thing will just shake as you're playing it. Because <laughs> the, the UMD reader is... The machine is just so fragile, and that reader works so hard the whole thing is just like quivering all over no matter what you're doing so so if they added a rumble like mechanism to that i feel like then the thing would just jump right out of your hand mm-hmm. um but for console controllers like it makes more sense less at risk um but yeah that's pretty much it for the rumble pack but the n64 it did because it did have that plug on the back yeah where you plug in the rumble pack they had a bunch of other weird accessories that you could they stick in did there. i remember i had one and i didn't know what it did that's horrifying <laughs> well no because um because i did that's that's another creepypasta idea it is i did i did the thing that um families who don't have enough money to buy an actual console do which is right. every other month or so my mom would let me rent one from the video place right and they had like pokemon snap donkey kong country and like donkey kong country had a weird one yeah but I, that's one i never owned i don't mm-hmm. remember what it did I remember I would always just get Pokemon Snap, a really shitty Scooby-Doo game, 
that like interesting. It was it was really weird, and it took me like three months proper to figure out how to get off the first screen because the UI was so bad. Oh, jeez. Um, so for at one point I was just playing as Shaggy for like an hour and a half running around the mystery machine because I couldn't figure out how to go down. Anyway, <laughs> but they would always include this weird little like, I know it plugged into the back of one of the uh, controllers, but I don't know what it did. It didn't seem to remember anything. It didn't seem to change the gameplay at all when I left it off. They just had it in the little box. Interesting. It was weird. That's very mysterious. Well, my favorite add-on, uh, my favorite peripheral that went with the N64 was the transfer pack, which is the one that came with Pokemon Stadium, Ooh. which you plug it into the back of your N64 controller and there's a little slot in it for your Game Boy games. And Pokemon Stadium had a like play mode where it just played your Pokemon Game Boy game. And you could unlock, like, different speed settings, too. So you could play Pokemon on a higher speed, (laughs) which was great because first-generation Pokemon is such a slow game. You walk everywhere. You can't hardly ride your bike anywhere. It's awful. Mm -mm. It's awful. Even the the wipe screens are pretty, like, so playing that on triple speed was (laughs) godsend. You know, now that it, now that I think of it, I think that's actually what they were giving me because it it had a slot on the back. Oh, that yeah. You could, it might have been some sort of transfer pack because my thought was maybe, with hindsight and now knowing how video games kind of work, my thought was like a extra memory slot or something. Yeah, so that and you they could, did have those. Okay, it might have been that too because that would make sense for if you were renting a game. Yeah. So that you could they save did. the game. Some of that, those so. those peripherals were just like basically safe cards. That's probably what it was then. Yeah. Less significantly less creepy than it has been in my. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Everything gets a little bit creepy the longer you don't know what it's for. Yeah, that, that's true. So my other favorite game peripheral that I had growing up was the multi-tap, which was for the... There was a PlayStation 1 and a PlayStation 2 version, but basically it just added more controller slots. So you could have four people in Crash Team Racing instead of two. Which is not, like, a super impressive utility, I guess, as far as peripherals go. And it kind of just highlights, I think, like, why gaming peripherals are not as much a thing as Mm -hmm. it feels like they used to be. Again, I was on the wiki page for just the N64 accessories. (laughs) And it just went on and on and on. And they had just the weirdest shit. Um, But as gaming technology gets better, the companies don't need to sell you, like, separate hardware Mm add-ons to make your games more functional Mm -hmm. there must be a huge like cost risk for making these peripherals honestly i feel like because like the transfer pack i was doing the research and i saw on the wiki page there was like a dozen games that were compatible with it yeah it and like one of them was pokemon stamp so i feel like nintendo was like we'll be okay we can yeah we can make this happen but the i mean it's that kind of like I saw it with motion control, too. Like, Nintendo was the only one that was really successful with motion mm-hmm. control because third-party yeah. game devs didn't want to be like, we have to figure out how to use this extra thing that's not, yeah. like, inherent in the game system. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of work, so we're just not going to do it. Yeah. I can't imagine how difficult it would be for a smaller game company to be like, well, here's something that doesn't require 
the, the game doesn't necessarily require it. It just kind of enhances your your right, right. Because for all those, because the Rumble Pack was another one. It's only compatible mm-hmm. with some games. Yeah. So every game that the Rumble Pack works for is a game that a developer had to go through. Several developers probably yeah and had to that go through out. and be like, okay, where is it going to trigger the Rumble? Mm-hmm. And that's just. I mean, like, that, that's hours of work they had to so do. So much work. <laughs> for for just, like, a little garnish on the video mm-hmm. game, basically. Mm-hmm. And now it's normalized, and everyone has to do it for all games forever now. <laughs> and it does make it does make the game It's fun, better. and I enjoy it, and when it's missing from games, I don't like it. It's not as good, but, like, yeah. We've been conditioned. It's, I don't know, it's just, like, a weird little detail that mm-hmm. it, it just strikes me as odd that it's... anyone would think to add that as something that would enhance a video game. Yeah. But it does enhance it. Yeah. yeah. So now it's like, yeah. you, you gotta. These are the first steps to AR, honestly. <laughs> you gotta rumble. Uh, so yeah, I was thinking more, too, about, like, more modern peripherals. Because mm-hmm. I still feel like Nintendo's kind of Ooh. on top of it. You had a thought. Real quick, yeah. It's it's kind of a peripheral. It's it's in the vein of trying weird stuff that most games can't actually do. Yes. Um, I had a, a favorite game when I was younger for the Game Boy Advance. Right. Um, it was called Boktai. Yes. And the gimmick for it was the actual game cartridge stuck out below the Game Boy, and it had a tiny little solar uh, sensor on it. And the character that you controlled had a gun that was powered by sunlight. So to refill it and to battle all the bosses, you had to be outside, out in the sun. And it even had a little built-in situation where if the game console, or not the console, if the game pack started to overheat, your gun would start to overheat and it would stop working. So um, they had a built-in, don't get the kids sunburned, don't break the actual console, and you would have to go sit in the shade for a little bit and let it cool down. That's really cool. It's really cool, and it's a fun game. And honestly, I would kind of kill to play it again, because I, <laughs> I don't know how or where to play it currently, yeah. because my, my DS broke, and also all internal clocks in uh, Game Boy Advance games are all dead now. So, <laughs> But it's super fun, and there's like a... There's even a, a thing where if uh, the sunlight is bright enough, some of the enemies in outdoor areas just go to sleep or don't exist. Oh. Or um, the one I remember is it had a slight stealth element, and so there were areas that had like water puddles, and if you walked on them, enemies would notice. But if it w- if you were at full brightness, those water puddles would evaporate. It was a really good game. That's, yeah, that's it was a really, really good game. I remember hearing about that one, but I only heard about the sun, the sunlight mm-hmm. charging it. Yeah. No, it was That's really interesting. Though. I think my dad bought it for me or something because he wanted me to go outside more, which I'm <laughs> sure was the point of the game. Valid. But oh my god, it was so fun. Yeah, I mean that's that really highlights I think how the kind of like peripherals help weird game ideas mm-hmm. come to life because it's not just like input character on screen does something. Yeah. That kind of direct one-to-one correlation. Although I remember it was a it was a pain in the ass to play until I got a DS because the original Game Boy Advances did not have the backlight to them, and sitting in sunlight trying to watch something, yes. play something without a backlight was a pain in the ass. Yes, <laughs> that's why you gotta get the little the little lamp. Mm-hmm. Gotta have a little lamp on while you're playing outside yeah. in full sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's probably why it didn't do that well, is because it was marketed as a regular advanced game. Yeah, that is super interesting, though. I love, I fucking love that game so much. It also, it had my favorite style of art, which was tiny-ass, super-detailed, isometric pixel art. Yes. <laughs> I love that. 
Anyway, sorry to cut you off on the no. modern peripheral situation. No, that's much more interesting than modern peripherals, because the next thing on my outline is Google Cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've actually, so I'm going to branch off from video games mm-hmm. and go into my fucking master's degree about this. So in one of my classes, it. yeah. In one of my classes, we were looking at, I think it was PBS or something, did a, like, VR adaptation of a scene from Lincoln and the Bardo, which was the Man Booker Prize winner, I think, in 2017. Uh, So it's this VR scene of this pretentious historical literary novel about Abraham Lincoln seeing ghosts. Uh, And you, you just pull up the video on YouTube. It's like a YouTube 360 video. So you can, you know, move around and it'll move the screen around with your phone. Um, and if you have Google Cardboard, which are <laughs> a horrible name for these little, like, similar to Nintendo Labo stuff, like you make basically binoculars out of mm-hmm. cardboard and you slip your phone in. Okay. And then that serves as a VR screen, basically. Gotcha. But then you can watch the scene of these ghosts talking <laughs> to Abraham Lincoln in VR. It was... It was interesting, but so like that kind of thing still exists. So when when Nintendo came out with Nintendo Labo, I feel like the response was largely people being weirded out by it because it's like a video game company in the late 20 teens selling people physical items. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That seemed to really offend people, kind of, but it seemed like a callback to that kind of weird peripheral stuff that Nintendo really has has led the charge with over yeah. the years. And I mean, they, they have the money to take risks with that, which I think is a big factor. Uh, well, and the other thing is, I don't think that it's a huge, like, investment in cardboard. Sell cardboard, yeah. <laughs> like, if that sinks ships, it's like, uh, it's cardboard money. I mean, I enjoyed it as a concept because... It does you, look really cool, Because yeah. when you get down to it, Nintendo makes games for kids. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's something a lot of people who get angry about video games don't remember, that's, is who makes games yeah. for kids and who doesn't. Yeah. But I thought it was a, a, a neat idea that I didn't fully understand. And yeah. I, so I kept my mouth shut about it. <laughs> yeah, and Nintendo also has, like, Amiibos, which are mm-hmm. kind of peripherals, kind of like action figures. And they're, like, collectibles, yeah. and they cost 30 bucks a pop or something ridiculous. Like that. All those Animal Crossing ones we have that are about to come in really useful. I oh think. yeah, they are. Uh, we have cards for those too. So if you want a specific Excellent. villager, uh, oh my god, that is. We, I'm pretty we have sure a Celeste amiibo. I love that. I'm pretty sure that's what the cards are for. Is getting specific villagers in your village and/or island. Oh, are you ready for thousands of people to try and connect and have something called Pen Island? Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Nintendo's got to cut that one off at the, at the past. They have they're going to gonna have to deal with a lot, I feel like, when this yeah. game launches. Well, I'm sure it's going to have the general Nintendo kid filters that say you cannot swear. Yeah. You can't do it. If someone's going to see it, you can't swear. Yeah. And they, the thing where they take off any trans content, even though trans content is not against their rules. That's so weird. So weird. That's so weird. That's another episode we should do. Trans Nintendo characters. Oof, yes. The world needs to know the truth about Yoshi. Yoshi's trans. Birdo's trans. They're all trans. My conspiracy theory is... Toadette is trans. Toadette is... All the toads are trans. All the toads are trans. (laughs) Fuck you. We're getting off topic. Anyway, I also put the Wii Balance Board on this list of other peripherals. Oh god, that was a thing. That wasn't was it? like everywhere, I feel that was like. A thing. Everyone had the Wii Balance Board. 
Wasn't that just for, like, the Wii Fit? I think there were other games that used it, but it was the Wii Fit was the big one. So, like, everybody's moms went out and bought (laughs) Wii Balance boards. That was a weird time in history. (laughs) That was also the time in history when people were breaking their TVs with their Wii Motes. (laughs) Ah, the good old days. (laughs) I, I feel like we as a species have learned... To control our, our motion <laughs> controls. Because I haven't heard of the Switch doing that. But I don't know if everyone's just playing the Switch handheld. I mean, I've thrown a Switch handle before. Okay. I've thrown one before. Okay, never mind. <laughs> well, it's because... Okay, in all fairness, my hand-eye coordination, for someone who likes to think of himself as an artist, my hand-eye coordination is so shit. <laughs> I like... I. My hands like to shimmy shake sometimes. So. That's, that's fair. That's, that's fair. what I'm blaming, not your, my general your incompetence. Ha- your hands got their own rumble packs. They really do. Um, so that's pretty much all I had for like straight up peripherals. I don't know mm-hmm. if there were any aside from the lamp that like stuck <laughs> out. I didn't really experience a lot of them again because my family didn't really have a console. Like the yeah. closest I got to getting one was purchasing a refurbished PS2. After the PS3 had come out. Nice. So it was really cheap, but also that meant that there were no fun games for it. Um, So I bought, like, two games that I didn't fully understand. I think it was uh, Final Fantasy X-2, so I didn't understand the the game at all, and I got really frustrated with it. And then I'm pretty sure I played Dirge of Cerberus on that thing. Oh, no. Okay, so one of those games is great. One of those games is the greatest Final Fantasy game, regardless of what I said earlier about Final Fantasy IX, and one of them is the worst. Well, I got about an hour into one of them and finished the other one, so that's that's pretty much my experience with Final Fantasy, that, which is... That's bleak. I know, it's it was bad. Well, I mean, I specifically bought it because um, I was doing research online, and this is when I had my weirdly intense uh fixation on final fantasy 7 and i found out that you could we, play we all had that that you could in play the mid-2000s. yeah i found out that you could play 7 on a 2 if you like put a specific memory pack or something in and then someone sold me a shitty memory pack so i couldn't actually play it oh um but yeah that thing basically just collected dust i think i still own it hmm. but uh i would be hard pressed to find it <laughs> fair enough uh, yeah, I see. I had a bunch of different consoles growing up, and I also had like babysitters and friends and stuff mm-hmm. who had different consoles too. I still feel like I didn't encounter that many peripherals mm-hmm. because it's it's more money you have to spend. Yeah, I feel like on the... what was already a really expensive hobby, especially in the nineties. Yes. Did the GameCube have something weird with its controllers? I feel like it did something weird with its controllers uh, at one point. Well, the GameCube's controllers were weird to begin with so i think they did just sell like here's a controller that looks more like an xbox controller are you happy now teenagers could you also play do you also use the n64 controllers on them because i have a really vivid i I have a vivid memory of playing like some mario party game and getting blisters on my palm from it but it was we were using the gamecube which i thought was so cool at the time yeah i think that's the case oddly the gamecube is one of the only modern consoles that I have almost no experience with. That's that's the one that my friend had for the longest time, that same friend who I played Pokemon Blue with the first time, because yeah. uh, their family did the thing where they threw money at the children instead of <laughs> spending right. time with them, you know? Right, like my family. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. But yeah, I would, I just have very choppy memory of the couple of games they had for that, and I don't think they really had peripherals for it. Yeah. 
Unless you count physical game guides as a peripheral. I don't count that. That's, that's literature. <laughs> that's a different thing. I remember really liking the art for um, Ocarina of Time's oh, booklet. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. I think I, I think I might have had that one. They were so cute. Very cute. Very cute elf kids. Which is weird because I didn't own Ocarina of Time. I just rented it constantly. <sighs> Another video game I was real bad at. I see something there that I don't understand. Would so, you like to explain yeah. that to me? So these aren't peripherals, but I was when I was thinking about peripherals and I, I thought of these, which are actually whole-ass consoles and mm-hmm. not add-ons to consoles, but they're like weird and tactile mm-hmm. in their own way. And I'm actually going to, for your for your <laughs> edification, I am going to pull up pictures of them my benefit only obviously this doesn't translate to audio but i'm (laughs) thinking of these were two consoles that my family had uh in television which i mentioned and then the sega pico that Uh, first one looked ridiculously familiar it's oh no oh no it looks like a battleship it's okay that's the Intellivision. It looks like... So this console came out in 1980. But it looks like a 1973, like, sedan. Yes, it does. Mixed, it's got the wood paneling. Mixed the... with a 1940s <laughs> telephone. It's got wood paneling. It's got that wood paneling. Fresh plastic Classy. that always looks like it's just been sitting out in the sun for a long time, but that's just yeah. the color it's supposed that's to be. That's like beige late 70s yeah. plastic. It's... And the like the dark brown that's not quite black, and it's just, it's just full ugly. <laughs> it's very ugly. It's got, the controllers are these like, they're connected on like a telephone like cord. <laughs> But the controllers themselves don't look so much like a landline telephone receiver as they look like a, a remote, a modern like late two thousand cell phone. Yeah, with big ass buttons it's on like it. Kind of like a razor. <laughs> yeah, and the, the you can't see it on this, but the game cartridges are these like basically floppy disks, extra floppy <laughs> that you slide into this monstrous like telephone <laughs> receiver controller. And that somehow tells the machine to put these three pixels on your screen because the graphics were awful. This is a second generation console. Oh, I actually I am kind of obsessed with this right now. It's, it's I'm gonna get a beautiful. picture of this and put it in the show notes because I can do that and I know how to do that. Oh, but excellent! Like, um, oh my god! I, so what I do is I collect all of my consoles that I've had like as a child, mm-hmm. and then I've also obtained a few consoles as an adult. <laughs> That, that, like, my babysitters and friends had. Yes. So that's how I have a Super Nintendo now, even though I didn't Hell have one yes. as a child. But played one quite a bit as a child. <laughs> um, but the Intellivision is one that I have not obtained yet, and I don't know if my dad still has it, but I should ask him, because if he does, I want that shit. Well, we, when we move into, like, a big, nice place, when we're famous and have money, we're gonna have a cool game room. In a game room. You better believe I'm gonna get a cool arcade cabinet and do fucking something with it. But yeah, this is the first video game console that I ever had access to. I'm like at the age of three years old, because all of my memories of this are playing it in the basement in my family's first house, which mm-hmm. we moved out of when I was four, I think. It looks like a basement. It, it <laughs> does. It exudes extreme basement energy. <laughs> 
but since all of my memories are from the old house, it's like I know I could not have been any older than four, and mm-hmm. I remember being able to like change my the TV's input settings to to play the games, and my parents couldn't figure out how to do that. That thing is wild. It's it's monstrous. <laughs> and then the other one is the Sega Pico. Which Good God. Out, I think it was 19... Hang on, I wrote it down in my notes. 1994. So this was like an edutainment console. I can tell. So, yeah. <laughs> you can tell from the colors. But it's it's difficult to describe its shape. It's kind of like a little laptop. It looks like a baby laptop. With a tablet... Quote, unquote. At the bottom uh, that, like... Touch sensor, basically, is all that it is. Um, And some big-ass buttons down by there. And then the top is where you plug in the cartridge, which is the bottom part is kind of like a regular cartridge, and Mm -hmm. you you plug it into the slot, and that's how it reads the game. But the top part of the cartridge is like a little plastic book. And you turn Hmm. the pages to make the screen change. And then the rest Whoa. of the game is just kind of like point-and-click adventure kind huh. of stuff on each page. But That's actually super cool for something that looks like you would get it out of a McDonald's Happy Meal. <laughs> it, the games were very basic and short. Um, I remember we had... We had four that I can remember. We might have had more. But we had like a game that was Tails mm-hmm. from, from Sonic. It was like a pinball game Cute. with Tails. Cute. Uh, there was a Mickey Mouse one where you like play mini games with historical figures uh, there's a Pocahontas one, and there was a Richard Scary one. Do other um, people call that Richard Scary? It's a Richard Scary, yeah. When I say Richard Scary, people I know, know what you mean. I know okay. what you. I know what you mean. At least. I know that's not what it's called, but that's, I can't. For the love of, I can't remember what it's, it's called. It's like the, the busy world of Richard Scary. I think it's is the that what? It, okay, it's the one with the worm and the with lowly cat with yeah. lowly worm, which is such a good character. <laughs> I literally have not connected it until you said it right there, so <laughs> it's been a while. It's it's a depressing joke for what is otherwise a very wholesome <laughs> and toothless children's <laughs> franchise. <sighs> so yeah, that's the weird, not peripheral, but this weird console that yeah. it didn't sell you all of this stuff as peripherals. Yeah. It's not like, here's the thing where you plug in the game and now buy the touchpad separately. Mm-hmm. It just... That was an integral part of the console. I appreciate them for trying. I can't stop looking at this picture it's that you're showing. Beautiful. It's it's it looks like a George Foreman grill for a baby. It's got those beautiful early '90s colors: the purple <laughs> really with the teal and the red and, and the, the yellow, yellow, the bright yellow, and then the one orange button down there. At yeah. the bottom. Not an earth tone in sight. There's so much happening. It's beautiful anyway that i know my dad doesn't have anymore mm-hmm. he gave it to my grandparents so that they could have it at their house for when my cousin's kids were nice. over and i'm pretty sure it's broken at this point oh it doesn't look like it would last longer than maybe a day it's it's surprising that that lasted <laughs> for like the majority of my childhood it is some flimsy plastic but it was a cute little thing yeah very interesting um how yeah. do we want to I feel like this is close to wrapping up. I don't have anything else to say about peripherals. Okay, can you click back to the thing over there? Yeah, that was the end of my list. Oh, it is. Okay. Um, Sega Pico. All right. That was surprisingly educational for me. It's edutainment. (laughs) Well, just in general, because, again, peripherals were kind of something I, like, heard about, but I never had the means or want to get them. Right, and they seem 
like talking about them out loud, it's like that was really unnecessary for that any sure of that weird. shit to exist. That sure was weird. <laughs> Which, like, I mean, if if we want to really get some controversial video game opinions in before we end here, um, VR at this point, I would consider some I, sort of yeah, peripheral. So going back to the like Lincoln and the Bardo VR experience mm-hmm. I had, it was interesting from a <laughs> publishing point of view, and it's like, well, this is like a spicy book. <laughs> It would be a very boring video game, though. Uh, but it didn't really work for me because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, blind. So I had to take off my glasses to yeah. put on the Google cardboard. <laughs> so I couldn't see any of the... Like, the whole thing is just these ghosts yelling mm-hmm. at Abraham Lincoln. Cool. But I couldn't see their mouths moving. They were just, like, wispy, bluish whitish shapes on a dark background. Ugh. So it was just people screaming at me, and I could not see who was screaming what. Uh, so, yeah, VR to me is like, I don't even, I don't, it's not accessible to me, so yeah. I, don't, I don't give a shit. It's, uh, I think the thing that really drove it home for me was, um, I want to say Resident Evil 7. I've now watched two playthroughs of it, and I still can't remember which one it is. It's the one That's where That's the nasty one with the hillbillies. Yes. Yes, I know um, that. I know it was technically, quote-unquote, meant for VR, right. but it really shines through when you're watching it on a, on a static screen, where they were like, oh shit, this is for VR, that's right, we gotta do this, and it's like the one scene where your character is strapped to a chair, completely motionless, and they're like doing things to him, it's like, oh, that's where they remember to do the VR, like when 3D became a thing, with, right. with uh, movies, yeah, where they, and and all the characters of a like, character point, like holding yeah. out something directly <laughs> toward the screen, yeah. That sort of thing. And I feel like, I like the concept of VR, but you pointed out it's largely inaccessible for large swaths of people. Yeah. And it's I, also... I hear that other people, like, a lot of people have motion sickness issues with Oh, yeah, too. definitely. And it's just, it, it has potential, but people who are working on it are working on the wrong things. Yeah. If... I think I've heard... I think it was... Laura Kate Dale, uh, who's the one who's doing that, the book of butts and video games. Yes. Um, I think I heard it was, she was the one who said this, uh, but her take about VR, if it was to be accessible in like a mainstream gaming sense, was mm-hmm. basically a hardware developer, most likely Nintendo, yeah. would have to package it oh, with, yeah. with games, which, you know, they have had success doing with the yeah. Rumble Pack. Yeah. Maybe if Nintendo decides they really want to throw in with VR, it has a future, yeah. but otherwise it's... I mean, they've been they've been playing around with AR, with, like, Pokemon oh, no. Go, and now they're, like, incorporating that into Switch games, which is right. interesting, and I still quite haven't got the, the hang of that. I'm going to do the one thing that all people our age do when talking about Nintendo and AR and VR. God, please, Nintendo, give us Pokemon Snap! Pokemon Snap! Oh. I beg of you! <laughs> that one interesting... Interestingly, did not have any peripherals. I know, associated right? With that. You could go to. I remember this. This was beyond my time, but I remember people talking about it because I was always like two to three years behind the, right. the newer video game things. Um, you used to be able to go to oh, the stores kiosks. to kiosks right. and actually develop and these pictures print and get the them pictures printed out. out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a thing. I guess that is a peripheral. Yeah, it's not like a consumer good peripheral. No, I think you didn't. You still have to pay for it. Oh, I'm sure you Yeah, you absolutely had to go and sure get these. I don't remember where those kiosks were either. They must, they must have been like Toys R Us or something. It was some specific store, but yeah. I assume it was Toys R Us because that's where you got video games in the 90s. It's 
sounds about right. Um, that's that's all I had about all Purple. Right. So that is a is a good talk, good first potential episode. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for the first of hopefully many episodes of yes. Grumble Pack. Love um, to complain about video games. Yeah. Might as well monetize. No. I'm not. not <laughs> I don't know, publicize. Might there as, we go. Might as well create with that energy. Might as well force others <laughs> to suffer with me. Hey, they can close this down if they don't want to listen. You chose no, this. They can't. <laughs> We're infecting their phones now. It's, uh, it's We're leg- legally required to listen. <laughs> uh, keep a lookout for our peripheral where every time you plug in your headphones, you just hear us bitching about video games. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, goodbye, friends. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye.